mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Reawakened Mom podcast. Today, I'm joined by the incredible Donna Duffy. She is helping midlife women entrepreneurs showcase their expertise and create their signature body of work. I love how Donna talks about how she really gets to know the women she is working with first to find out where do they feel comfortable showing up? Because if you're trying to show up and do all the things, the audience is gonna know you aren't being authentic. They will feel it, and honestly, so will you. Donna has an incredible story living overseas for 20 years and raising her kids in Nazareth. She shares how it was a true community feeling with the doors always open, having loving, supporting, and close neighbors, and how she had a really hard time adjusting when she came back to the States. She felt like, where is everyone? Have you ever felt that way? Like you don't have a community, you don't have others to support you in these life transitions that you may be going through? Because Donna believes in community and that there are so many women, 60 plus, that aren't ready to retire. They still wanna make an impact and leave that legacy. And she's going to help you do just that so that your light can shine out into the world even farther and longer. All right, mama, get your notepad ready for your aha tips as we get ready to dive in. But hold up a sec. Before we dive in, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt lost in your motherhood journey? Like you don't even know yourself anymore. Do you ever feel like you have no one to talk to about what you're going through? Because it can be hard to make deep friendships as an adult. Maybe you do have people, but they don't support you and inspire you to go after your dreams and goals. You could just be sick and tired of putting yourself last and feeling so dang overwhelmed every day. Does this sound like the life you're living right now? If so, I would be honored to have you join the Reawakened Mom Circle. It is a private community where you can grow as a person, find yourself again, discover friendships with other moms, and be in community with others who are ready to say yes to themselves again. Because as I say all the time, community is more important now than ever. If this sounds right up your alley and you're nodding your head with me as I talk right now, join the circle. Go to my website, melissaclampett.com and click join the circle. I can't wait for us to grow together. I'll put it in the show notes so it's easy to find. We're so happy you're here to listen to our conversation. Let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to the Reawakened Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Clampett. I am so grateful you're here. This show is for you if you find yourself always putting others' needs before yours. You naturally take care of others first. You find yourself in constant comparison with other moms. You put your dreams, goals, ambitions, and passions on hold. If you raised your hand and said, that's me, this show is for you. You are not alone. My goal with this podcast is to show you it doesn't have to be this way. I invite you to join the weekly conversations and learn mom hacks, proven strategies, techniques, and mindset tips to reawaken who you truly are. Some episodes, I'll be here riding solo and riffing on a specific topic. Other weeks, I'll invite moms and experts to share their stories and journeys on how they reawakened their life. We need your voice out in this world, so stop hiding, stop dimming, stop following, and start knowing, shining, and leading because you are not alone. Let's reawaken the passion living inside of you together.
Hey, everybody. I am Melissa Clampett, the host of the Reawakened Mom podcast. And I am here today with my friend, Donna Duffy. How are you, Donna? I'm doing well. I'm honored to be here, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thank you for, for saying yes and honoring us with your presence and knowledge and, and all the good things. So before we dive in, I would love to just share with the audience a little bit about you. You can sit back and relax while I gush all over you. But Donna is a TEDx speaker, which that's really, really exciting. She's a best-selling author and award-winning marketing strategist, which we can definitely be diving into that. She's the CEO founder of 3E Marketing Solutions, which she offers visibility and marketing solutions to small business owners and entrepreneurs. She's the creator of Sage Success Studio, an online community helping midlife women entrepreneurs showcase their expertise and create their signature body of work for greater visibility. Obviously, you can see a theme here, right? Like all that visibility coming to life. And Donna is the global business connector for Delaware for the Women's Speaker Association. So, oh my gosh, Donna, how do you do it all? Not all at the same time. Okay, good. <laughs> good. I'm thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. So how did you get into this like visibility thing? Obviously that seems like the common thread with like that and the marketing aspect. Like where did that love come from for you for wanting to help other women be visible? Well, some of it came from by accident, just seeing that this whole thing of being seen and then understanding that doesn't always lead to what women want as far as growing their tribe. They, they, I think I wrote an article like the, uh, high cost of low visibility. That's what it was. And, you know, basically just saying there is a price to be paid. If you're not visible, you can't just show up and hope someone's going to buy what you have to offer. They need to see you first. They need to trust you. It's a no like, and trust factor, which is built over time and kind of breadcrumbs of trust to your door. Mm -hmm. And so then I really started to dial in on that and help people with their visibility activities, their visibility opportunities, other outcomes, how to be visible in other people's audiences. And then that difference between visibility so I can be seen, which is all eyes on me, my accolades, my bio, whatever, to visibility to be found, which is about the other and about the client. So a little bit of a shift there. And that really became my focus. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So tell us a little bit about why you wanted to focus so much on midlife entrepreneurs. Like where did that come from for you in really having that niche? I love, I love that. And I think it's so unique and so needed. So tell us kind of where that came from for you. Was it something that you went through yourself during midlife or that you found a lot of women that you were talking to had this issue of like that visibility, that marketing, how do I do this? You know, if I'm transitioning in life, I would love to know about that. Well, you know, we've talked before. I moved back from the Middle East after about 18 years of living over there. Actually, yesterday was my 21 year uh, anniversary of being stateside. Wow. Um, but we uh, moved back here in 2002. And so I didn't really start my own entrepreneurial venture until 2006. I was 46. So, you know, then I, I grew the business from, you know, kind of around my kitchen table to, you know, in the city and, uh, and you know, an office suite and all of that. And in the midst of that, several things going on at the same time. We're driving along, I think, visiting down here and something came to me about like being sage and being older. And so just having that wisdom at the stage of life and tapping into that in a different way. So I wrote Embracing Autumn, 
a motivational field guide for midlife women entrepreneurs. I wrote that in 2015. And I have fun with that every single autumn as we unpack it all over again and, you know, dig in. But I look at these years as like your autumn years. And, you know, I'm being very generous with the word midlife, me over 60 by a couple of years. <laughs> I'm certainly not at midlife. I mean, maybe I am. I don't know. But, uh, you know, most likely not. But I feel that's a range of years and a season where we've served our families, we've, we've done all the things, and now we step into a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And even the way we're willing to tap our own wisdom we're, and the, the whole thing on signature work is to push away kind of the things that really no longer serve. That's a big metamorphosis. That's a huge thing. When you women nurture, you know this so well, you know, you just serve your family and all of these things. And then there's a time when, you know, they're gone, yeah. you know, they've grown and they're gone and then uh, really stepping in. And so it was funny because at one point, we looked in our audience, we'd have them like a monthly event. We're like, yeah, too bad. Almost everybody in here is a midlife woman. Like, yeah. I don't know. We were putting it together, but that just, I just decided to niche down. And, you know, a lot of times it can be a scary thing yeah. because like, oh, if I really niche in, like what could happen? But if you look at the boomer kind of population, people now in their sixties are not just, yeah, I'm ready to retire. They're not they're really still stepping into some pretty tremendous things. So that lit me up too. So it was my stage and season and then just became a way to serve women like myself who are not ready to retire, who want to make a difference in the world while they make an income and an impact, all of that. So that's where, that's where it landed me. I love it. And I resonate with that. Obviously I'm not in my sixties, but I am 45. So when you talked about that, it's so true. And I wrote this this Facebook post, I don't even know when it was because I had this meditation where it was all about like the midlife crisis, the midlife crisis. And like, what if it's not that, what if it's actually like a midlife reawakening where you literally like, who's to say there's anything wrong with you. It's not a crisis because you want to change your identity or leave your job, or you're not feeling fulfilled. Like what if that's your life purpose and you're just not ready to step into it? So I love everything that you are saying. I wholeheartedly believe it. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think a lot of women, especially when you're looking around, you're looking in the marketplace, the, the thing in your head could be like, oh, my glory years are behind. And I'm going to say, no, not so fast. Like you still have, if you think, if I think of the things I did, I've done 20 years being in America, not to mention the things I did 20 years before that in the Middle East. Okay. If there's still 20 years ahead of me, like, you know, I want to live them fully and I want to make a difference. And I feel like I'm talking about a sisterhood. There are women who, you know, we are just not ready to, yeah. to slow down. In fact, it's like you're saying, it's almost like a, like a, a reawakening, like rekindled, re-energized, you know, we're on the other side of a lot of things, you know, many of us are like post-menopausal, we're like in a whole different place. Yeah. And, and, and many of the women that I work with are actually in their sixties and single. Wow. So, you know, that's a whole other thing because of, you know, where we are. And if you look at life expectancy and how many years are yet to be, and how do you want to spend those? And how do you want that to, you know, build a legacy, live a legacy that's here now and later, it's that kind of thing. And that just fires me up. I, I just love that. 
Yeah. Do you do a lot of identity work? I would think it's a lot of like identity of like if somebody was married before and now they're single or they were a mom and that was their sole identity and now their kids are gone or they're in college or they're married and they don't need them as much. And so it's a lot of like, well, who who am I? Or if I was this corporate woman and then I just retired from that job, but I'm looking for something else because like you said, I don't want to retire. Do you do a lot of that identity like shifting and kind of refiguring out like who they are too? Yeah, I, I kind of have a, a, a pathway, like my midlife woman pathway is discovery and alchemy. Those two things are basically digging in and figuring out like, who am I and who am I here to serve? And what is the gift, the mix and the magic of the gifts that I have that are going to serve in the marketplace? And so do some work there. Then the next thing is mastery. Pretty much the sun rises and sets in mastery. You know, back in the day, and you you know how this can be like, Somebody would ask you, can you do something? Absolutely. Well, not so fast anymore, right? So now I would outsource that away so I can stay true to my heart and mastery. And then from there, all that mastery goes out to the community. From there, that leaves a legacy. So I do this kind of like an infinity with the mastery and a heart in the center because the discovery and alchemy leads to the mastery. The mastery is the overflowing that leads to the community that if this is my last day or I live another 50 years, I'm leaving a legacy along the way. And as women unpack that and discover that, even going back and connecting the dots through the decades, they can see the thread from even a little girl of the things that were signature to them, things where they lit up, things where they were, you know, their strengths and their gifts and their, their insights and their wisdom. Now you, you, you get to the place where your years kind of give you a little more sass. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not just so, you know, I would say the magic's in the margin, right? You know, so you're not just conforming in the mainstream. Now you're willing to kind of ride in the margin and be totally you. Put all that together. And that then becomes this, this great kind of exercise in what does not belong. You know, I say, you know, do what lights you up, you know, love what you do, love who you do it for, let everything else go. Like, you know, it becomes easier as you dial that in, but that's true. You've, you've got to know. And then there are women who are like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, intent on it, my 60s being like that. And that's fine. You do you and how I would. But for those of us who that's our thing, we almost need almost like a constellation of women together who see themselves as your stars and see themselves as trailblazers and leaders it's a very lonely ride. You can feel very, very lonely. And you know, this is a leader, yeah. you know, you need other leaders because that's, that's how you stay buoyant. It's how you stay, you know, like plugged in and flanked with this amazing sense of, you know, experience and wisdom and all of that. So that's where my heart is just helping women really step into that. And then know I'm, I'm surrounded by other women like myself, which is why I created Sage Success Studio, the Facebook group, so that women could get in there hang out, share what they're doing, what they're working on, what their wins are, all of that kind of stuff and have a place to yeah. Is that what, so when you talked about your infinity and the mastery and then community, like, what do you mean by community? Cause I know how important community is. Like, is that like creating your own community, finding your community, being out in the community, giving back to the community? Like, what do you encompass in that when you kind of talk about that? I would say yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> okay, all of it. Because, and this is where I feel like having lived in the Middle East for as many years as I did in an Arabic neighborhood as tight as that was. And I, I never have known such amazing community. And so 
when you know community and a sisterhood and a sense of belonging, you certainly can feel it when it's not there. But sometimes people don't know what they, they don't even know that they're missing it. Yeah. You know? And so when we start gathering together, I think that's, you know, I wrote a blog post a couple of weeks ago, every woman building a tribe needs a tribe of her own to belong to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need that support of women having our back. So I think we need, to, we're building tribes. We need to belong to tribes. We're making an impact in the community, in the world. And I think modeling that. And I think as women who are strong, shine the light on other women who are strong, there is something to that because it says, you know, I can shine my light on you and dim nothing on me. There's no shade on me because there's light on you. Yeah. And I think that then becomes a safe space. You know, we talked about it yesterday mm-hmm. you know, in, the, in the job meeting, you know, a safe space and a, a place to belong. Uh, it's not a judgment. We're all evolving. We're all becoming. And I think women just absolutely thrive in that environment, especially after pouring ourselves into our families. And, you know, now you're sitting here with all of this give that you want to do. I think then you can still pour in, even if you're doing the work you're doing, belonging to community kind of rounds that out in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Do you find, I just want to ask you this question, because do you find working with a lot of women that, you know, they have a lot of issues with money or income or making money or when they, you know, if they've been in a corporate job or I used to be a school teacher. So it was like, I got paid this salary. This was my salary. If I wanted more money, I had to take more classes. Do you find that the women that you're working with, and I think all women, you know, have that, I don't want to say founder, but like self-limiting belief of like money or am I worth this or what am I worth? Um, Am I valuable? Do you find that a lot of women have that, that you kind of work with? Like who's going to pay me for this service when I would maybe just do it for free because I love it? Well, and I would do it for free because I love it, but I hit those limiting beliefs, those upper limit beliefs myself. So I don't know if you've ever read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I've heard of it, just haven't read it. Oh my goodness. I mean, that is a book that is going to tell you like step into your genius. You're going to have to push past the upper limit belief because you're going to keep tap banging into a wall. The other thing about entrepreneurship is you're dancing on a wire without a net yeah, all the right? time, <laughs> right? Because, you know, it can feel like feast or famine. There's not the steady eddy of that, like paycheck coming every second week or every week, those kinds of things. If you come out of that, now I never worked in that that kind of studying very, a very short time of my entire adult career. So I did a lot of things differently in ministry and in like service-based stuff and then entrepreneurship. Well, you know, a lot of times I think we struggle to pay ourselves first, you know, we're very other centric. It takes time. And I think we need to dial in our money story, get very clear on where those gaps are get very clear on imposter syndrome and the things we tell ourselves. And this is why I think you need to be flanked by a sisterhood because on the days when you're feeling like you're not feeling it, you know, that's when you're reminded you belong here and belong to something greater, but absolutely. I think we struggle that with that. And I know for myself, I was married for 25 years. My husband did so many of those things, you know, to come into that headspace where things are on me, that's hard. Women who have, especially at this age, have lost their husbands either from di- divorce or they passed. And it's like now tag you're it. You've got to figure all this out. And then you're still going to do that entrepreneurial thing, which feels anything but safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's does it's not safe. Yeah. You know? So I think, but it's it's so rewarding mm-hmm. and it's so uplifting. And I, you know, I feel like 
and you know this having stepped away from something to step into this, what that has done and how that lights you up. Well, that that in itself is magnetizing. Yeah. You illuminate the way for others. You keep up-leveling your own learning so you can guide the way for others. Something very beautiful there, but you do have to get used to that dance. Yeah. And this is where I think education and learning and you know, if you need to take workshops or you need to up-level your skill or whatever, I think all of that is ongoing. You know? Yeah. I'm so interested because I mean, I love speaking. Obviously, I have a podcast, so I love speaking. So I, I want to hear about the TEDx speaker. Like this is something that is just like I feel like one of the big visibility things. And it's like something that would be on like like is on my vision board at some point. But like tell us about TEDx and like how did that happen for you? What did you talk about? Did you talk about this like midlife stuff? Did you talk about like your book and kind of that autumn season? Tell us about your TEDx. I would love to hear about that. So I was part of TEDx Wilmington Women, which was really an honor. Uh, I think it was only like the second time it was being offered. But the first round that I tried in Wilmington, the, first, the year prior, I didn't get accepted. Okay. The following year, the topic was, it's about time. And so I decided to focus in on my life in the Middle East. So it's called Kairos Living in a Kronos World, okay. Lessons I Learned in an Arabic Neighborhood. Okay. And so it is the hardest talk I've ever done in my life. Yeah, because, you know, I, I can be very stream of consciousness. I usually have bullets to kind of keep me from going off the rails. But this was like I in fact, I joked with my staff. Hey, if anything happens to me, they heard it so many times. Like one of you jump in and do it. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I had to rehearse it the day of rehearsal. I remember the person who was in charge of that arm around me is like, so I had that feel, you know, you could dress up and be you know, part of the dresser so rehearsal. I said, I felt great. He said, good, because. You went over by a minute. You got to trim it by tomorrow. So that's the afternoon to the morning. So I was so grateful because my housemate at the time was my TEDx coach. She's like, yeah, we're dropping that. We'll drop that. And as I used some slides, I, 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 I you know, shared some Arabic phrases and, and shared about my neighbors. The most beautiful thing, it was live streamed. So all of my neighbors back in Nazareth were watching it as I was saying it, which oh, was cool. for me, the big thank you of, mm. you know, you guys are awesome. And you know, I owe this sense of community to you. So it was really a rewarding experience. I'm not sure I'd try to repeat it <laughs> because the prep is pretty, pretty intense, but I think it's as a speaker, I think it's definitely, uh, you know, a milestone and something to, to definitely check, you know, check off. And, and I think looking at the themes that is a big determinant because that helps you dial in what you want to talk about. So when I saw that one, that was yeah. Oh, that's so, yeah, I know. So, you know, I just did a, a talk yesterday in our Polka Dot Powerhouse group and I am very much like you where I'm like, I have bulleted points and then I can just riff. I'm good with that. But I was like, okay, I have a certain time frame. I have things I want to talk about. Like I need to make sure I stay on topic and get to the end versus like get halfway done. And I'm like, the time's up. So, which was very different for me. So I actually did write out what I wanted to say and, you know, was referring back to my notes and things like that. But there's, it's so interesting how people process doing things so differently. And like, I'm not a memorization person at all. That like is so, brings so much anxiety on. So yeah, so I haven't, I'm thinking about it, but I'm like, oh gosh, cause I know you have this like six minutes or whatever the time frame oh, is. Yeah. And this is what you got. Like six, seven minutes. We were at the Queen in Wilmington, which I love and love that building. I love that stage. I think it's so beautiful. But the lights were so blinding. I only could see a few people. So that, you know, that was a thing. But if you listen to my beginning, 
you can tell, like my heart's <laughs> jumping out of my blood out of my chest. I was so scared. I eased into it, you know, after the couple of sentences. But yeah, I mean, it was an honor to stand on the red carpet, red, you know, yeah, uh, stage, and yeah. What's your favorite way talking about back about like visibility and like marketing? Like, do you have a favorite way to help people be visible or to market themselves? Or is it there's so many different ways for for everyone, depending on like the person and their personality and what they're actually trying to gauge? Like, do you are you always like, okay, do podcast or oh my gosh, I love going into groups. So you've got to be here. Do you have a tip for people that might be listening that are trying to be more visible or trying to really market themselves because they're thinking about this. Like I have this idea or I want to do it, but maybe they're scared. Like, would there be like a first step that you might suggest to the women listening? I think alignment and authenticity are huge drivers because that will lead to that first platform. So I'm always helping someone figure out their aligned visibility platforms, right? So there are a thousand things. In fact, I just wrote a, a, a blog two days ago, you can dance if you want to, but you don't have to. And it was all about, you know, you don't have to dance on TikTok to be visible. You don't have to do all the things and reels and all the feels that are out there. If that's not your thing to really come into the place you do you, because in the end of the day, if my brand personality and my approach doesn't resonate with the way, with the platform I'm standing on, yeah. I'm already putting a barrier up. So what I like to do is dial in first on where that woman feels comfortable and what she likes to do. Then later we can compound the layer for maximum impact. So I'm always going to tell someone, write something once, squeeze it dry. We're going to multi-purpose and repurpose this all over the place. But let's pick the place that you feel really aligned. So, you know, typically I would prefer if you get, if you're going to give me a choice, keynote or breakout, I'm always going to go for the breakout, right? Because I want the connection. So figuring out what people want at the end, you know, what is, what is the ongoing, we kind of can, you know, go to the end in mind, reverse engineer it and figure out what are those couple of three ways that you can be out there and then add the other things in. So I would say go an inch wide and a mile deep. I'd rather you see you show up in a couple places, two, three places on repeat, like that you get seen over and over and over again, then spread yourself so thin that you cannot maintain or manage. You don't have the budget or the bandwidth, not just in money, but in time. Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of like wrung out, running all over the place. Instead, you know, to, to pick those places and go deep, then people, you know, you can, you can get known for that and people follow you and you build that trust bond uh, with the people in that group. So we determine some of those places. I love to use the strategy of OPA, other people's audiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorites and dial in which of those and help her know, you know, where she would best fit. Yeah, that's so smart. I love that. Yeah. Which is exact. I just had the summit and I did that exact same thing. So I had 27 speakers and then it was like, okay, like using other people's audiences and things like that. So yeah, I love that idea. And also I have to ask, because I bet that women are listening, are going to be very curious about, you've mentioned the Middle East a couple of times now. And you said kind of like you've had 20 years doing this, you had 20 years in the Middle East and you did things there. Would you just share a little bit about your experience in the Middle East? And I would say from a mom's perspective, like how you think that was also for like your kids and then coming back and and then living here as well. I would love to just share a little bit about that because it's such a great story. So I will share my Nazareth years, which are more, you know, where my, from where my kids, we pick up my kids being there, right? So Laura was born in Nazareth. We lived in Haifa for a little bit, but we moved back to Nazareth. And then I had Ryan and Megan 
I had them all in the Nazareth hospital and, you know, by Arabic midwives. And it was a very, very different experience than it would be having kept having kids here. But I raised my kids in that Arabic neighborhood. And in fact, Laura, as a little kid, the people were like, oh my goodness, that girl looks like a, a foreigner. They're like, she is, because she's babbling in Arabic like everyone. Her American parents live right there, you know? So raising the kids to them, that was home. So the adjustment of raising kids that are bicultural in that way, where they lived a certain place and grew up in a certain place, we were so involved in that community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spoke in Arabic all day long. Like I wasn't thinking I'm not speaking in English. Like it was yeah. just door open, people in, raising kids. Now, in retrospect, listening to my kids' understanding of that, um, I realized, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit in your talk, I probably could have put different boundaries for their sake. So I'm in another culture and I'm learning that. And Laura probably felt it the most, my oldest, Mm -hmm. right? And she was the one most assimilated. But when they look back, they wouldn't trade it. They loved being there. They loved living in that culture. Uh, We came back here. It was a huge adjustment uh, to stateside living. They were 12, 8, and and, uh, 12, 10, and 8. And I didn't know anything about the Delaware state test that they had to do. Like we were, we didn't know anything. We just didn't know anything. But it was, you know, the, one of the most rewarding things. And we were part of an amazing culture. And I think raising children in that culture, the hardest thing for me coming back here, I was like, where is everyone? Yeah. Because we're in community, not necessarily that we lived in community, but we're in a neighborhood. And everybody's looking out for everybody. Like that whole thing, like go get a cup of sugar from the neighbor or, hey, there's, well, I'm having a wedding at my house. You know, they're having a wedding and the, my, all the people are, all the showers are taken. Can I take it? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of openness and open door that when I came back to America, it was really uh, very hard. Now my youngest, she was towhead blonde, blue eyed. She just could not fit in the culture. Wouldn't get the language. So it, so initially when we came here, she was like, ah, oh, okay. Everybody's yeah. like me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then of course I had my son, middle child, and he didn't matter if we're in Nazareth or Newcastle or the moon, you know what I mean? Middle kids are so, <laughs> so kind of easygoing, but it was tremendous. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I made a ton of mistakes like any mom does, no matter where she lives. But my kids are tremendously gracious with me about, about all of it, especially the transition back here, which was yeah. hard. Yes, it was oh. harder coming back than going for sure. So yeah. I went at 24 with a backpack on my back and told my parents, I'll be back in like a couple of months. I didn't come back for two and a half years. And then we were, I was came home, got married, went back. And the whole thing was from two, from uh, 1984 to 2002 was my, wow. my run there. So my adult years, you know. That's so be- I love that you went at 24 with a backpack on and you're like, I'll be back. I'll be back in a couple months. Like, were you, were, what were you going for? What were you? I was going for ministry, overseas ministry and being part of an international women's team. Eventually, you know, living in a neighborhood, you know, I, the sisterhood in that neighborhood, those women taught me everything. God loved them, how they sat through my learning Arabic and trying to make their coffee. And, and I, you can listen to it on my TEDx talk, you know, but I think just, you know, having that became like that, you know, that community, that community feel that was uh, just so amazing. And then, you know, it, it's changed my life. Yeah. For, you know. 
That's so beautiful. I, I, I love that. And so you've always been in some form. It seems like if you started that at 24, you were going for, you know, le- leadership as well. Like you've always had that leadership role. Like it's always been in you. Did you notice that? Or did, when you kind of did this work that you're coaching women on, when you looked back, like, were you always a leader, even when you were younger, do you feel like? I was, but I don't think I recognized it as much. Yeah. And then in 1996, we were home, we were on a home leave. We did some counseling just as a family. And I read the book, What Colors Your Parachute by Richard Bowles. Have you ever read that book? No. I did an exercise where you just list out the things you've done through the years. Eventually, I tweaked that into some of the things I do on a retreat. But what it did is you go through and now you circle all the verbs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm a leader. I'm a teacher. I'm like, for somehow, I didn't really get me that that was, I was so so wired that way. I'm the oldest of six kids. My mom relied on me for everything. Yeah. It was a perfect preparation for what I would do next. You know, you, you see how that kind of comes together, but yeah, I think sometimes we're sitting on things that are dormant. Everybody else might see it in us, but we're not seeing it in ourselves because it's like breathing. Yeah. You're not thinking about it. And I think as women, sometimes we need, we need other women affirming that in us, what yeah. these things are. So. Absolutely. Oh, mm-hmm. I have like loved this conversation. Is there anything you've dropped so many great things? Is there anything that you haven't touched on or anything that you would like to share maybe that that we haven't talked about? Well, I think one of the things, especially in you know, a very kind of fast moving culture and all kinds of things happening, really trying to keep up, especially women my age. I think part of it is just being comfortable with imperfect action, being okay to, you know, not look at things necessarily as failure, but as iteration. And, you know, just say, okay, I'm trying that. All right, I'm coming from here. I'm trying that. Leaning into the circle, leaning into the sisterhood and really, you know, tapping into that. I think we're afraid sometimes to show our cards. We're afraid sometimes to say, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm hurting or that's not coming so quickly to me. Or, you know, I've got this family thing going on. It's, it's like, throw me off my groove because I can't stay focused. I think we, um, I I think we just need that authenticity with one another. And, and I think this is where you talking about just giving moms this opportunity to breathe. And even the things you said yesterday, like get off of this crazy, like superwoman thing. And I think being real and approachable Mm -hmm. is what is going to allow uh, women to really attract and then impact the people she wants to work with. Yeah. And I mean, just, I, I always, obviously, cause it's just for moms. And I always think about my kids, like, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm showing my kids, like you can change it and anything, like you don't have to stay somewhere where you feel stuck or you don't, you know, it's sucking the life out of you and you can shift and that's okay. So everything that I do, I also am hoping that like, I'm showing my kids like that they can do that too, that they have permission to do that and make mistakes and be like, yep, okay, cool. Like, what did I learn from this? Like, great. How was I challenged today? That's always like on my my head too, just to be like, okay, I'm showing my kids this and then I can fall and I can get back up and I can reinvent myself and I can be silly and I can be fun and I can be angry, like all the things. <laughs> all the things, absolutely. You know that saying, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight. I, I, I think- that whole thing on tenacity and resilience, you know, I, I went through a really hard time, uh, you know, when we were transitioning in our business and right when I, when that happened, I wrote this thing called the power of um, the resilience is in the speed of your recovery. Get back up, you know, 
So when something knocks us down, how long do we stay down? And this is where tenacity and resilience, like, boom, back up you go, onward you go. And uh, and I feel like that modeled for kids uh, that they can be thinkers, learners, they, you know, they're, 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 they're going to, they're going to figure stuff out. Yeah. They're smarter than we think they are. You know, yeah. half the time we're learning stuff from them. It's, it's, it's a, it's a real, it's a beautiful journey. And I think us modeling that is the way it needs to be. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. This is my last question for you. I always love to throw this in at the end of every, this is the only thing scripted on the whole podcast. This is the only thing I ask every single time. Um, but as women, we tend to, you know, think about everybody else and cheerlead for everybody else and not enough for ourselves. So I always love to ask, what do you love about yourself right now, Donna? I think just the way I think, and then I am kind of prolific in that. You know, I'm a writer. I journal every day. I've been journaling for 40 years when I was 22, 62, uh, just turned 62 in August. And I love that. I love that this just keeps coming, that I'm writing, that I'm vulnerable in that way. And I keep putting my toe in the water and trying things. And, uh, and, and, and that's, yeah, that, that makes me feel just good about who I am and the way I show up in the world. So that's, that's a great question. That's, yeah, thank you. thank you. That's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing. How can people find you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to be like, who's this Donna lady? I need to find her. How do I find her, Melissa? <laughs> well, you can go to my website at sagesuccessstudio.com. And, uh, and we also have a private Facebook group. And that's just on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash sage success studio. And, uh, you know, I always say, as long as you're okay with all of us being of a certain age, like, come on in and join us. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time today and all your knowledge and, and wisdom. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I loved it. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you felt like you were hanging out with your bestie because now more than ever, we need community and connection. If you loved this conversation and have a friend who you believe needs to hear this, please share this episode with them. It could transform their day. Share it on social too, because you never know who needs to hear this message. Follow this podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple so you will never miss an episode and don't have to go searching for it each week. Make your life easier, my friend. Your support means the world to me. If you found inspiration today, take a second and leave me five stars and a personal written review on Apple Podcasts so more moms feel less alone. That's how this message gets out to more mamas. If you want to stay connected on other levels, check out my new website, melissaclampett.com. There you'll be able to subscribe to my newsletter, send me a personal message, join the Reawakened Mom Circle, get free resources, book me to speak at an event, or just check out my musings I write about this amazing life. I can't wait to get to know you on a personal level. If you want to continue this conversation and take action on something we talked about today, join me and other mamas in our free Facebook group, the Reawakened Mom Group. It's linked in the show notes because who has time to write it all down? Remember, we're stronger together. We're stronger supporting each other. We are stronger lifting each other up. We are stronger sharing our journeys and stories because you're not alone, like ever. I believe in you, mama. I see you. I hear you. I am Melissa Clampett, and this is the Reawakened Mom Podcast.